From the front line. From the front line. It's not going to work, man. From the tailgates. Representing KGYR and its stakeholders. We are the Forum for the Fan. The Bleed Blue Show. Flying solo. Here's your host, Steve. Yeah, we are the Forum for the Fans. The Bleed Blue Show, the Dugout Podcast. Getting through the rest of June. June baseball. Uh, speaking first half about the Yankees and then the rest of Major League Baseball from what I'm seeing. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. I got one more episode after this, and I am a free man, a free sports fan for an, a couple of weeks as we take our break. Uh, two, upcoming Tuesday, you got the Hockey Podcast, uh, Ring Podcast with Ranger Proud on the blue shirts, and the rest of the NHL getting ready for the NHL draft. And that is the last episode, I believe. I don't think we're doing a football this week. Uh, on the Big Blue Round Table. So we're going to have a, 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 a couple of weeks off, uh, taking uh, time off. So I will provide replay uh, past episodes in recurring fashion. Uh, then go back and check it, check it out from the archives. You can listen to it as uh, they are pulled up to uh, be heard, I would say, after the 4th. So I'm going to just let that happen uh, and make that happen. And, you know, the way I was going to look at this episode from a Yankee perspective um, and why they are where they are currently in the, um, the standings in this 2023 season is because of the lack of hitting. Uh, the Yankees have a huge lack of hitting problem uh, this season. Uh, and I was going to lead with that. However, uh, matter of fact, uh, the two players I actually honed on in is hitting and pitching in particular with uh, DJ LeMahieu and Luis Severino. Um, for this past weekend series with the Texas Rangers, I got to kind of hold back a little bit of that because uh, on Saturday's game, uh, Severino pitched very well, uh, had a shutout, and the Yankees got their only one off of a Billy McKinney home run, which won the game on Saturday. And then if you look at the game on Sunday versus the Texas Rangers after being down in the game, or oh, 3-0 uh, through the first two innings, and D.J. LeMahieu drives in the two-run double. And I wanted to touch more on LeMahieu and his, his progress this season, especially after the big contract a couple of seasons ago. And he's totally regressed at the plate. And we admire him for the utility guy that he is. But that was the big question when we signed him a couple of seasons ago: is will will he regress? And honestly, and you could go, and I said it at the time, and I was dead wrong. Uh, DJ LeMahieu, and I remember other Yankee fans. I'm not going to name names, but we all, a lot of us agreed because at that time he was so performing well. How could you not sign him to a long-term deal, a big contract? But as of right now, outside of the game today, he went into this game batting 228, 285 on-base percentage, uh, not where we wanted him to be when we signed him with that contract. But today, he actually did. When you look at the, when I say today, I'm talking about Sunday's game versus the uh, Rangers, the Texas Rangers. He had the big hit uh, uh, to make it three to two uh, in the bottom of the second. But overall, in the season as of right now. Um, Let's, uh, I'll put it like this. Let's hope it gets some jump started because, through, you know, through the, the season as of right now, uh, not to where our liking what we wanted out of the former Silver Slugger, 
all those years with the uh, Colorado Rockies and a couple of years before the contract with the Yankees of how well he was hitting. Um, and the guy, it, it's like he, he does so much because you can ask him to play anywhere in the infield for the most part. And especially at more of a little bit of an older age. And he's done his job, you know, as much as you can when guys aren't hurt. Like Donaldson may be hurt at third base. He'll play at third base, uh, second base to fill in whenever, um, uh, some, you know, if uh, Torres is out or whatever, or even first base if Rizzo's out. But DJ LeMahieu, uh, let's see if um, this gets them jump-started. And that's actually the bigger theme when I look at the Yankees uh, this season. Are they going to be able to turn it around with their head? Because the pitching action has been keeping them in it. I will give them that. The pitching, team pitching overall has kept the Yankees in the position that they are in. It's the issue is the, the bats. Overall, is the bats. Um, the last couple of series, the Seattle, Texas, winning the series versus the Texas Rangers. Uh, but at home, they have been terrible. They're the worst in Major League Baseball at home. The, the, they, the Yankees this season, uh, it last in hits, last in average, last in runs. This is the New York Yankees at home, Yankee Stadium. They're lasting all this shit. And we're almost at the end of June. This, this, this is a disaster uh, offensively as a team. Yeah, we already know Aaron Judge was hurt in the uh, Los Angeles Dodger game, hurt in the toe with the ligaments, and whenever his time, term, uh, time term, uh, table to return. But, I mean, even without a judge, I mean, come on, man. You're the Yankees. You guys got to produce. You got to hit. And hit for average. And this really shows, for the most part, when I say homeward or die, I really mean that shit. So I was never confident anyway going into this season. And let's let's take it back a step, right? Remember last year I, I spoke with, I, I believe it was Carl. We were at the beginning of the season. We didn't think the Yankees were better than Tampa Bay. And, and and a lot of it is the, the what you thought we at the time last year it was more about the pitching. I'm, to be fair, that I thought the pitching overachieved, and I think that's the reason why the Yankees got off to a great start. I don't think a lot of fans. I think a lot of fans delusionally say they think the Yankees are going to win 150 games out of 162 every year. But but realistically, I I think they some of them were surprised, including me especially how they got to the all-star break last year with a lot of the games that they won. I think this year is kind of more who they really are for the most part. Yeah, they have a lot of injuries, but that's going to be the case because a lot of these guys are injury prone. But uh, this year, but but the, I would never have guessed in my wildest dreams that last in hits, last in average, last in runs, that's crazy, man. That's, that, that I did not see coming at all, like at, at all. So, um, but, but to go back to DJ LeMahieu, I just hope this – I would – you know what? Getting back to 265 would be a win this season. When I say get back to 265, if he could up his abs 40 points by end of September, that is a win for him and the team. I, I don't know he would that, – that's, that's a actually it would be a good bet. The heads of bet if DJ LeMay could put up his batting average for 40 points between June 25th and, let's say, the end of September when the conclusion of the regular season. I must say no. I must say no. Um, I hope I am dead wrong when I say that. But, um, you know, before even the series versus Texas, uh, he was out 
of the lineup versus the Seattle Mariners. He was just a step behind. It felt like at the plate, grounding out here and there. But versus Texas, you know, he, he definitely delivered in that game Sunday to help get them back into the game. I will give him that. Um, and I remember, okay, I'm going to move on to another hitter. Because I'm going to say no on DJ LeMahieu as far as up in his batting average to 265, which would be a win based on where he started. Um, Anthony Rizzo. And then that was one that really stood out to me earlier in the year. I remember talking with Susie Proff from Bleeding Yankee Blue here about a month ago. And I said to her, do you think Anthony Rizzo could sustain this 300 uh, batting average of 302? Right now, Anthony Rizzo is at 273 going into that Sunday game. So this is more I would thought the slugger who is Anthony Rizzo, and I thank him for the, the big home runs that he has hit in this year. Uh, you know, games that I have attended, uh, especially on the road for Anthony Rizzo. Uh Big hits to you know propel the Yankees, but he the the hitting days was never really him per se. Well, it was a little bit during the, the Cub years World Series runs, right? But at his older age, he's he's really there for a very sure glove at first, which he does bring. And but the hitting average is just that's just so hard in Major League Baseball just to sustain over 162. Uh, 273 is kind of where I saw Rizzo anyway. I just hope it doesn't go any further than that. Meaning I don't hope he doesn't go back to this 220, 230 range ways he was, like it seemed like last year. Uh, you know, hit, hitting, you know, putting the ball, hitting opposite field, pulling whenever he he sees things over the middle of the plate to a sweet spot so it can extend those arms and put it to right field like he loves to do. I hope the average stays where it is. Uh, uh, I don't think so because a 30-point drop in a, literally a month and must, month and some change to me is a lot. That's a big dip. And that's, you know, let's say, I know he had the, um, you could say, okay, what happened, you know, this all goes back to the, LA, you know, the, the injury with the neck, right? Um, maybe he lost a little bit of a step. He's probably out of sorts uh, at the plate, concentrating, trying to get back to his groove. There's probably something there with that, with the neck injury he had at second base in, in that game, you know? And, and it goes back to, you know, the injuries pile up for these older guys. Some things are unforeseen, unforeseen circumstances. So, Anthony Rizzo, I hope uh, you find your way, you find your groove back. But the real Yankees um, have stood up. Um, Pitching-wise, there are I think they are doing a little bit better than I thought they would. But the bats are actually more of a disappointment than anything. That's how I see the 2023 Yankees as of right now, about three weeks, two to three weeks before the All-Star weekend. Um, and, it, and it sucks because without Judge, who sets the tone, who protects a lot of these guys in the lineup, a lot of these guys are going to get a little bit uh, uh, tougher pitches to face in the lineup. They're going to see – uh, they don't have that number 99 in front of them or in back of them in the lineup uh, for the foreseeable future until he gets back from that toe. Um, who knows when that's going to be. But as of right now, when I look at Rizzo and I see Stan's back, and Stan had a big hit today 
too. I want to talk about him as well. Jaden had a big hit, but the Rizzo's dropping from like 302 to 273, and Dejan LeMayhew, who had a big hit down 228 and trying to get up to like 260s and 270, that's just a lot to overcome. I don't see that happening, and this is a huge issue for the Yankees is hitting. They're last. Like, I was looking at the stats earlier today, right? I, I saw the Yankees were like 28th in hitting, and that was just, you know, listen, 28th in hitting in baseball, period, last at home at, across the board and then all the major traditional uh, hitting stats. Like, come on, man. What are we talking about? This is crazy, man. 228, uh, 28th in Major League Baseball, 296 on base percentage. Uh, they done a good job. They're kind of middle, a little bit, a little under middle of the pack in the strikeouts with 19th. And then, you know, once they get on base, are, are they turning – uh, first base into second base and stolen bases, or second and the third, or third and the fourth, uh, third at a home run. Um, 20th and st- stolen bases. That's kind of how I, that sounds about what I thought they would be. The Yankees are not a running team. That's just not, they don't have the, really the, a lot of the uh, supreme younger athletes. They're more uh, older aging uh, sluggers that they r- roll with. A lot of these guys are not stealing bases. That's just not them. But at least the pitching has been okay. A 3.68, a team ERA, that's about fourth in the league. That's pretty damn good. Um, and you thought everything was Garrett Cole, and you know Garrett Cole's definitely done his job. But a lot of these guys have picked up on it, picked up well. I was going to get on Severino because he had a bad start prior to this one. I think it was a game in Boston, but this, the the one nothing was a win uh, Saturday was big because Texas has shown up until this point to be a very good team in the AOS. And I kept on saying to myself, you know, from an AOS perspective, that it's still Houston's division to um, uh, win, no matter how bad of a start they get off to. But for Texas uh, to create that involvement with, with Bruce Bochy at the head, uh, you know, this is a big series win for the game. Big series win versus a division uh, leader right now. And um, 3.618 ERA. Middle of the pack, 15th against in home runs. Pretty good, pretty good. I uh, remember, was it a couple of years ago when Garrett Cole was, uh, like, giving up a, a major league lead in against home runs, but now the team as a whole, pitching rise, uh, starters in bullpen, 15th in, 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 in uh, uh, opposing home runs. And, and the whip is fantastic. It's fourth in the league, 1.22. Uh, that would be the uh, – a uh, uh, great, great thing for the uh, for the uh, for the uh, the Yankee staff as a whole. Um, done a good good job with that. Good job with the whip, absolutely. And, and you know, I'm not. And I'm gonna be honest. As great of the one performance Severino has pitched, you know, I, I've lost. I would say I lost confidence in Severino. I, I like. I think a lot of Yankee fans really believe that. I've seen some Yankee fans on social media post that that they they kind of gave up on Severino. Even he'll do this kind of performance when you're starting to give up on him. I've been down that road with Luis Severino for for years. I think we all have. I'm not, and I'm happy that he did what he did on Saturday, one nothing, a shutout. However, that's not going to be him most starts. He's going to get rocked like he did in the game versus Boston. And um, for his confidence, yeah, probably because the Texas Rangers are the best hitting uh, team in Major League Baseball. 
So that is actually a great sign. But I just don't see, you know, I, I just don't see this in and out with his career. And it's just not going to be like that this season. So but Luis Severino, um, and I think the Yankee brass kind of knows that. They're not going to publicly say that. But it's just every fan's thinking this. They are. They, they really are, man. Just, just too much, man. Very too much. I will, um, when I look at the Yanks, um, you know, they, they have a chance to catch Baltimore. As of right now, Baltimore's been a better team this season. Um, you have to go back to winning series. I mean, it's the, it's the cliche, it's back to basics, and they got to get the hitting up. I mean, throughout the lineup, um, um, Bowers has hit a lot of a, a good chunk of home runs since being up, but his average is a, is a low average. Cabrera, who came came out of uh, spring training, optimistically because he hit well in spring training, is not where he wanted to be. The kid Anthony Volpe, he, he he has a little bit of a power, but he doesn't hit for averages. But it's going to take some time. I can see Volpe in a couple of seasons getting to be a guy who's going to hit for a better average. Once he gets used to the game, starts studying the tape, you know, one off season, maybe to to mentally adjust to the game, uh, you know, as far as hitting for average, I, I, I think not this season, but definitely in a couple of seasons, I could see Volpe hitting better. I think they like his talent, they like his uh, brightness, and of course, the kid from Jersey, right? I think it's uh, it's going to take some time. You got to be patient with him. I think it's going to come out. I think a lot of Yankee fans see that. We already know Judge is Judge. Uh, he's going to be in that 280, 290s. And if he wants a big contract, yeah, he's going to hover around 300 for sure. But he's out right now. So, John Carlston, let's talk about him. Guys, not, you know, coming off, you know, it seems like he's always, <laughs> and every time we do these shows or something, he's always coming off an aisle or he's coming off an injury or some shit, right? But, um, I mean, he's getting paid a lot of money. There's no way to avoid the, the topic. He's an elephant in the room. It's like, when are you going to get this? I mean, the, uh, the continuous return on investment where, uh, was it last year? Oh, no, two seasons. Was it two seasons ago? He went on a fucking tear. Uh, it was really about just last year, but uh year before that, he went on a tear. And it just seemed like... It, I, <sighs> Overall, it's one of those things. If he does well, you have some Yankee fans who are Stantonians, or say, "Yeah, that's a, this is why we got Stan." But he doesn't do it every game. He wasn't doing that the rate where he was knocking all those balls all over Lone Depot Park in Miami. Um, and this is the reason why the Yankees made that deal for him to go get him. And it's just, it's just the return on investment. The cost is, the juice is not worth the squeeze. It's just not air, man. And if you take into account the, the injuries, you're relying on these guys. A big percentage of your payroll is for guys to produce. And then a lot of these dudes, or, and him in particular, they hurt. He's hurt. What can you do? This, I mean, this is one of the reasons why, you know, one of the reasons why you're, you're lasting hits and average and runs when a lot of the guys are older and they're big sluggers and they're not in the lineup. They don't have a rhythm. Like, how can you win games? I just don't – even going further, like, I don't see this team, even with a trade, you know, like, 
I don't see this team like as a team collective just going to just turn up the hitting like that. It just doesn't work like that in baseball because everything's mechanical. It's memory. Uh, brain is is brain restitution. It's, it's uh, seeing things and getting used to way things. Like when you're in the groove, you're in the groove. And I'll get to that when I get around Major League Baseball. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example of uh, the players who are in the groove. But the Yankees just don't have that groove because they've always been like this analytical. We talked about this ever since the inception of this podcast. Like yo, they don't. For the most part, they're not headed for average. In those days of the '90s Yankees, 2000 Yankees was. This version of uh, Brian Cashman's Yankees is just, you know, swing for the fences, and this is how we're going to sell seats. And But we get to the playoffs, we're going to roll the chances. It's just it's not going to work, man. And then this analytics shit has been a – shit, if you was to ask me, it's been a fucking fail. It has because, like, you can't justify lasting his average of runs. You really just can't. You really can't, man. It's fucking crazy, man, right, if you really think about it. um, I Let's see. Big picture – is that's where it comes down to? If the Yankees, you know what? Listen, if the Yankees could get the team average, just even right now, if they're like 28th in team average, right? If they could even get the 20th, we might okay. They, they might get to the um, uh, ALCS. That's and that's if the pitching holds up. That we're counting on that as well. Like I said, that's kind of where they are overall as a team staff. Some guys doing better than others, right? Uh, they don't have the real closer closer per se like we've been so used to with this franchise for the last 25, 30 years. They don't have that. You got guys kind of pretty much by committee, and if you could do a job tonight, well, we'll give you the job the next night to close gaze. Like, we just don't know if that's going to hold up. But I would say this. If, you know, I would – if I'm Brian Cashman and I'm trying to maximize my 2023 season, I may double down or quadruple down on adding more pitching, if anything, to give us a chance because the hitting is just not going to be there. So there is pretty much an answer to how to get through the 2023 season, postseason, versus teams that are hitting better than you, pitching better than you. Well, well, if you could keep the pitching up right now, where I see you know fourth in pitching, you get more pitching. Get that, and then we, maybe we can roll that dice that way. That's probably not what the Yankees were intended on in spring training or even in, in the beginning of the season, but this is kind of what the results are as we see it. So get more pitching is probably your answer, specifically in the bullpen, uh, specifically in the bullpen. You stretch those arms out, this game has become where, for the most part, seven, eight innings, strong innings, uh, it seems like a rarity because they, they kind of pay with these pitchers analytically. They want to put these guys in and throw them in there and get as many guys as you can and not wear their arms out and don't go through these Tommy John type of surgeries or whatever. But that's the role. That's the game, man. So let's hope for our Yankees. So by the time we come back for the baseball after the um, the break, our uh, Bleed Blue Show break, uh, pick up on the baseball this July and, and summer and talk about it, man. Uh, get around the rest of the league, uh, Major League Baseball, because I definitely want to talk about everything I've been seeing from a bird's eye view. I can't watch every game because it's damn near hard. This is why Major League Baseball needs to get that strike zone every fucking day. Uh, <laughs> they're not going to do that. I think that's something contractually. I, I mentioned that a couple of times in previous podcasts that 
they're kind of not going that route, or I have to look into it more. It, seems, it has to be something business-wise, contractually. So, But that's the way to go if you really want to get more people to see what the hell's going on so you can tune into certain games if there's a scoring alert uh, or, or, or you can run through the highlights and you could turn to a different game, whatever. Um, I'm going to go through as much as I can before I get off that the 25-run explosion, the Angel game in Colorado versus the Rockies, um, we got to talk about that. <laughs> I got to talk about that a little bit because they had 21 runs between innings three and four. Um, and like I said it, before, I said it earlier about hitting a baseball is damn near hard. It, hitting it on a major league baseball is harder. It's, it's probably the hardest thing to do in sports, right? Team sports, team American sports. And for the fact that they went for 13 runs in one inning, eight runs in another inning. And it was – this is the reason why, I, if I'm the Yankees, like, man, you got to get cats that can manufacture and runs. That was a uh, clinic on manufacturing runs. That's how I grew up watching baseball, and I still believe the game hasn't really changed from that. We try to get more complex on saying things that's more than what it is, looking at things with the data – being more analytical, looking at it from different ways. But the game is pretty much still the same. See ball, hit ball, put it in play. And that's what they did in game in, in, in that game Saturday in innings three and four. Um, that's, a, that's what all teams should be aiming to do anyway. Uh, put the ball in play, put the ball in play. And it, it's just that, that, because that way, psychologically, you put the pressure on the pitcher. Because that pitcher is on that mound 60 feet away from home play. He knows that um that that pressure on first second or third uh to not get that guy to get the home plate these guys are fragile mentally a lot of these guys are a lot most major league baseball players don't want i mean that's their livelihood they are there to prevent guys to go across home plate when they're on the hill and when you put see you could survive okay let's say you got a guy on first second or whatever you give up a big three run home run you start from scratch most guys, I would think, or a lot of these guys could probably, um, they could probably shake that off, get by that, and probably go another five, six innings and not give them nothing. Because with that, they gave up the big blow. So, damn, you know, it is what it is. Let me shake it off and move on. When you're manufacturing runs, that's it just it's it's constant, it's nonstop. You seeing literally guys getting on a base pad. That psychologically hits you differently than the big blast. Um, unless the big blast is a late inning game a late inning home run that gives another team the lead. Um, that's a little bit different. I'm talking about early on in the game, uh be keeping guys off the base pads and you didn't have to give up a big home run, but you're but the guys are getting double singles, you know, getting on the pads. That, that, that's a lot. That that it, it hurts your confidence at that particular uh, point. Um, you start not to believe in the stuff. If you throw sliders, sinkers, splitters, if you're forcing fastballs not going as according to plan, uh, whatever, whatever pitches in your arsenal, and the guys are hitting that consistently, it, it, and especially if it's your top two pitch, like yo, know, like they. They have, they lose confidence that particular day. That's just how a lot of these dudes are wired. So the point of the 21 runs is a fucking phenomenal feat, what the Angels did. Man, you already know how I feel about Shohei Atani, the best 
uh, player in Major League Baseball today, I'm going to say in my lifetime, I might even go as far as all time. That's how high I think of him. I mean, goddamn, I mean, he's leading <laughs> the guy's a starting pitcher. He leads the league in home runs, 25 right now, going into the game on Saturday. I mean, son, yeah, no, going into the game on Sunday, 25 home runs. And he's tied for the league in RBIs while pitching. I mean, like, this is some Babe Ruth on steroids type shit in the modern-day Major League Baseball era. You already know Babe Ruth, as well as he was a hitter in pitching, never really played against uh, Latino baseball players, black baseball players. He, Otani's doing it against everybody. And there's no debate about that. And this is why he's the best baseball player today. So you, I, I harped on him. I, I, as a fan, I love it. Like This is fucking video game shit, right? So he was on a hit parade. Mike Trout, one of the great center fielders today in this era. He, and, that's, and that's the sucky thing because two great players, Hall of Time type of players, are on a sucky team in the, in the L.A. Angels. They're trailing the Texas Rangers. They're trailing um, – um, uh, the Houston Astros. Um, but big runs uh, over the weekend in Colorado. Now, I did, listen, I do like the Colorado Rockies jerseys, if I want to, you know, give them a little props to. Since I like the, the, uh, the with the mountain joint uh, on the Colorado joint, uh, the white and the black. I like those jerseys. But nonetheless, they got rocked, man. Totally rocked. Another team's jerseys I like is the Cincinnati Reds. I like those alternate black jerseys that they rock as well. They had a huge win streak, uh, 12 wins. Shout-outs to the Reds. And I'm glad that when I went to the game in Cincinnati, uh, when the Yankees were in town, that the Yankees caught them at a good time. And that was the game you know, I referenced earlier how Rizzo hit the, the extra in a home run to give more insurance runs and win that game. Since that, since that game, the Yankees – I mean, not the Yankees, the Reds – uh, have played excellent. They have, they're like one game up on, in, in, in the Central right now on the Pittsburgh Pirates. These, these are two teams have played excellent this season, right? Cincinnati. Um, now I got to say this because I'm starting to see um, Ellie De La Cruz being promoted nationally. I got to take it a step back. I have to go back to the May 19th weekend when I was at the game in Cincinnati because I did not say this on the podcast, but this is what I saw. In the stands at Great uh, Great America Ballpark in Cincinnati, where they were promoting him heavily, so I knew of him, um, watching him on the big screen in between innings. Um, like when I was at that game, right, you would see these highlights in between innings on his De La Cruz. I, I had no idea who he was, to be quite honest with you. Um, and when I went to look back. And research who he was. You know, I don't watch the Major League Baseball drafts. There's too many players. Like all these players, where they're coming from. Not not the knock. It was just too many, just too many of them to keep up. I don't follow Double A, Triple A of other teams. I only pretty much keep pace of who's in the in, in the farm system of my team. But maybe that's something I could look to dig in. But you know, lack of time. That's a lot of shit. To, I mean, I might have to look at that as a challenge. But nonetheless, I saw highlights of De La Cruz, Ellie De La Cruz. At AAA Louisville on the big screen in, in Great America Ballpark, and I and I and I and I, and I YouTube it maybe a couple of days later on on and off episode to see who this guy was. I mean, they were really throwing it in your face in the stands, and, and a couple of rest 
Spence kind of mentioned him. So, oh, yeah, man, I can't wait to hit, see him come up. Like, like they were, you know, they were talking about it, like explaining to me who he was, where he came from. So he's a Dominican Republic uh, uh, player. Now, he's a tall guy for an infield, a tall guy, like 6'5", right? So um, they bring him up. You know, he was – he was, well, I'll put it like this. In, in, um, in the um, – when I looked up his stats, uh, AAA Louisville, uh, he actually was playing well, man. He, he, he played excellent. Um, when he finally got his shot, like when you go back to those Louisville stats, you know, as a, a 21-year-old baseball player, I mean, he, he was doing his thing. Like he, he was hitting around 300. He had like 11 home runs. I mean, he, he was definitely uh, – or 12 home runs, 36 RBIs. And they – I mean, they, that market, Cincinnati, the Reds, they needed to add somebody to the lineup. I know um, the second baseman, um, he, he has played well for them as well. Uh, what was it? What was it? Quick. But um, a lot of those guys are home runner dies on that team too. He brings a different energy. Now, I saw the highlights what happened Friday versus the Braves where he hit for the cycle. Ellie De La Cruz is excited. He gave their fan base – a lot to cheer for, a lot to um, uh, uh, to uh, hone on on. I mean, as of right now, you know, 16 games in, uh, you know, he's part of that 12-game win streak they were on before the Braves snapped it, right? He's, stole, he's already stolen eight bases in 16 games, so he, that's pretty much one every two games. Um, even with the 19 strikeouts, I mean, he's still getting on base 41 times or 41 total bases, um, three home runs already, including hitting for the cycle, uh, two triples. The guys excited. So I will probably be watching a little bit more Cincinnati Red baseball to see how he does. Um, from the highlights I saw in AAA on the big screen at that game, um, yeah, he's excited. Um, and he hits the gap, and I mean he hit. I mean he's out and running. He is doing his thing, man. So in 38 games, hitting around 300. Uh, the 16 games right now, three about uh, 360 right now, playing excellent for the Reds. Um, and when I'm talking about leaders, I'm, and I'm talking about the round Major League Baseball. I'm looking at a guy like Luis Erez from the uh, the Marlins, the Miami Marlins, who the guy's hovering around 400 right now. Uh, but he's on fire as well. Um, you got to watch his games as well. Uh, the Marlins have been somewhat of a surprise in the NLEs. A lot of people don't watch it. And there's issues why a lot of those uh, fans don't go to the game. More so about the business. You know, they need to set up some sort of village like oh, a lot of these teams do to bring in more fans, which it could work. They just haven't done it. I don't know why. But that's neither here or there. And the reason why Erez is, is really interesting because of his hot June. He had a hot June. That's what I looked at. I was like, well, how did he jump up to 400 so fast? Or how does he have 400 almost, what, one, pretty much a, a, a week left in the month of June? Well, I went back and looked at one game. And that was the Oakland game on June 3rd. When I, when I said looked at the game, went back and watched the clips on YouTube, the highlights of his at-bats. And he went 5-for-5 five five in that Oakland game. Matter of fact, he went five for five three times in the month of June, so that's definitely going to up, up your average anyway by default. He went five for five versus the Athletics on June the 3rd, 
June the 16th, he went 5-for-5 five five versus the Nationals. And three days later, he went 5-for-5 five five versus the Blue Jays. So that explains why his average is, you know, at that 400 level, like Larry Walker-ish, like Tony Fernandez with his years with the Blue Jays. Uh, he's hitting well, and, he, and he's hitting for power as well. He's hitting for power as well. Um, he, he has done a great job. Uh, the slugging is at 493. OPS is at 944. Um, he's hitting with the 15 doubles. Um, done a great, fantastic job. Fantastic job. Doesn't necessarily have the home run power, you know. But this is how, like, hey, listen, man, give me the guy who's going to hit for average. I don't know. I like the guy who hit home runs, but he could hit it for average. And Luis Erez for the Miami Marlins has done an excellent, excellent job. By far the best hitter in Major League Baseball this season. He's like almost 70 points ahead of the second place guy who is probably your MVP. That's Ronald Acuna Jr. He's probably going to be the MVP at this rate in the National League. Because if you're hitting 330 or close to 330, 16 home runs, 34 stolen bases, that's out of this world in today's Major League Baseball. Because a lot of these guys are either one-trick ponies. They're going to hit or they're going to steal. They're going to hit for average. They don't really do all three. He's doing all that shit, man. He's doing all that shit. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., especially good for him because the year they won um, the World Series, he uh, tore his ACL. Um he had a fight back. He's a great baseball player from Curacao. Um, he has a lot of power. I mean, he's been around for a couple of seasons now at this point. He's not necessarily considered a young player no more at this point. I mean, it seems like he's been around for a while. He is that talented. He's legit. And he has the power. He has the hitting average. He, he has the speed. He has the glove. He has it all. He has all the tools, man. He's a special baseball player, a very special player. Um, Austin Hayes is another reason why, and I talked about this on the Orioles episode year, oh, not years ago, uh, weeks ago, when I talked about the Orioles, the Pirates, that episode, um, he's has hit, he has hit the ball well. Uh, Diaz from the Tampa Bay Rays has hit the ball well. You know, Freddie, Freddie Freeman is just a professional hitter altogether, so he's going to be around. He's just going to, you know, you know hit the ball and do his thing. So when I, when I, so when I was talking about um, leaders, uh, Ella de la Cruz, um, Luis Erez from the uh, Miami Marlins. Um, legit guys, man. Very, very legit. Um, I think the last part I was going to get to is the London series, the Cubs versus the uh, Cardinals series over the uh, weekend in um, London. You know, the Cubs won that Saturday game 9-1. Um, you know, Adam Rainwright, who is a St. Louis Cardinal great, got rocked in that game. Uh, the Cubs had very good production, innings two, three, and four. Um, and, you know, I was watching the television version. Uh, you know, television, uh, you know, the, the pregame, and I, you know, I can't really stand when they try to combine former Yankee rest out players together like they're buddy buddies. I can't stand that shit, man. Um, a Rod, Jeter, they didn't really never get along in the first place, but they're on the double decker bus cheesing and ha ha and all this all this other shit, and then David Ortiz shows up in the picture on the double-decker bus. I mean, that shit bothered me. I had to turn it away until the game started. But the Cubs had an excellent um, uh, win um, in the in the new – well, you could say with the new Major League Baseball rules because the last time they was there when I was there in 2019 when the Yankees won like 16-12 or something against the Red Sox. Um, 
but now that the new Major League Baseball rules, the games go by quicker, and they had they won versus the Cardinals on that. Both of them winning, uh, wearing uh, the home white jerseys in that game, which is kind of kind of weird, whatever. But um, but here's my point: bringing up the London series. What's the end point for Major League Baseball? What is the uh, the end point? Meaning, I feel like Major League Baseball is just doing this because the NBA and the NFL do it. And I could ask the same question for those leagues as well. I think um, NFL is more popular even in, in the UK. So is the NBA. But what is the end game for Major League Baseball? Since this is a baseball episode, what is the end game? I mean, are they trying? What 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 is the point of these London series? Because I don't. I didn't even feel even with the Yankee Red Sox in 2019 that they were. Um, it felt like the UK fans, they don't embrace it like Major League Baseball wants to promote it. What is the end game? Are they trying to get a team there? I don't think that is going to happen, at, not even in my lifetime. So the point is, why the London series? Like It's just, I don't know. I mean, yeah, if you want to get the St. Louis fans, the Chicago fans, the Fly from Lambert International or O'Hare to, to Heathrow, to play some uh, a baseball, you know, a limited series in the weekend and get the fans to travel and spend money. Maybe that is the fun thing, but I don't think UK fans just embrace that shit, man. I I never got that vibe in 2019. Is that I feel like it's a little bit of that in the NFL, but it doesn't seem genuine. It feels, you know, it's just it's 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 what's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of I right, well. well We'll do it because, you know, it's something to do. Not because you love it or definitely deep, passionate fans. Um, there are deep, passionate fans of football, for sure. I mean, they fly to the States to watch these games. I, I've seen it firsthand. They got multiple fans and multiple uh, teams in the NFL. I just don't feel or think that like that. I, you know, we saw Great Britain in the World Baseball Class, so there may be something a little to that. But I don't know what the London series, how long, like you, could, you can't just throw historic teams over there. You're, you're running out of historic teams already as is. You already threw the top four pretty much in the sport, right? You threw the Cubs out there. You already threw the Cardinals out there. You threw the Yankees and the Red Sox in 2019, which is four years of remove, and a lot of that was because of the COVID. I can see the Yankees and the Red Sox going back out there soon. I mean, it's going to have to be somebody like the San Francisco Giants, the L.A. Dodgers, because those are original New York teams. But what is the end game for these London series? Because you're not going to be able to sell the Miami Marlins going out there. You're not going to be able to sell Arizona Diamondbacks. You're not going to be able to sell um, the Colorado Rockies. You're going to have to throw these old school throwback teams. You might have to. The next one might have to be like I can see San Francisco and the L.A. Dodgers. That that seems like it's the Given, maybe the Mets go out there. They're not necessarily an old historic team because that team came about in the sixties after the, the uh, Dodgers went for L.A. Uh, to uh, uh, from Brooklyn, right? But wh- I don't know what the end game is. I really don't. And that was my biggest question as far as what's the point of you know a twelve guy game. I'm not necessarily mad at that, but the end result or the end game for the London series, I. I feel I think I see what the NFL is trying to do 
multiple international series because they're already on in Germany at this point. But Major League Baseball, it just seems like a, a monkey see, monkey do, copycat type of shit, man. I just can't rock with it. But anyway, man, that's my last. Those are my thoughts, man. Major League Baseball, Yankees, rest of Major League Baseball, uh, talking with you guys. Uh, we're going to be back in a few weeks, sometime in July, to pick up on the baseball after the All-Star break and pick up on some summer baseball, more Yanks, more rest of Major League Baseball, get to some of these other teams on my thoughts. Uh, I didn't have time. You know, there's a good series uh, this weekend as well, the Diamondbacks and the San Francisco Giants. been watching that as well. Uh, definitely check that out. Um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Got one more episode before we call it a vacation here on the Bleed Blue Show. Uh, pretty much a good ha- first half of episodes. Going to have some recurring stuff coming about uh, during the break because it's going to be a little bit of an extended break. Azul needs it, man. Sign up to ladies and gentlemen. Bleed Blue. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Blue, 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 blue,